Listener Production. Shares, Market. the S&P, the ISX stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that can work all night on a drink of rum. I'm Scott Phillips and he is Andrew Page from strawman.com. Mr. Page, g'day. G'day. Uh, I love that cryptic reference there. <laughs> well, it's a sad day in a lot of ways. We're recording this on Wednesday, the 26th, day after the Anzac Day uh, commemoration. And Harry Belafonte has died. 96 oh, he was, of course, uh, behind uh, Island in the Sun and, of course, the Banana Boat song. Yeah, from which Classic. that line comes. Oh, such a good song. Just an amazing song. Great voice. And uh, yes, I said, I said, tell you what, mate, celebrities are not hanging around as long as they used to. Or maybe they are, but they're just all <laughs> know, going 90, now. 96 is a good innings. Yeah. It probably is, but Jesus, she's been a, a terrible one for celebs leaving us. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. Harry Belafonte, wonderful, wonderful singer. So very sad to see him go. Just, just occurred to me that uh, we should at least mention it in passing. And I'm always up for a bit of a song reference. So <laughs> that was good it. enough to throw in the intro. Reminds me Mate, of uh, uh, Beetlejuice, John. the movie. They had a great oh, scene. Oh, Michael Keaton. Yeah, 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 yeah. What was the scene? Uh, the dinner party, and they he possesses everyone to try and scare them out of the house, <laughs> and they they sing that the banana boat song. I can, I don't yeah. I I have very vivid images of Michael Keaton in his stripy pajamas and his green hair in my head, but I don't remember that particular oh, scene. Oh, classic, so. great movie. I I haven't watched it in a million years. Oh yeah, does it yeah, hold well, up? This is this is the this I wonder. Gosh, we're already on a tangent here. This is <laughs> this is like this is I think one of the things you notice in the streaming age. Like mm. when there was just TV, you'd watch all the same movies again and again because you turn the telly on. It's like, oh, exactly. I guess Beetlejuice is on again. I'll watch it. You know, but you don't, you don't, you don't do yeah. that when there's like you know the world's entire catalog in front of you with the click of a button. That's true. So, what's the pity? Fewer people are watching Beetlejuice than should. I think. Yeah, fair to say. yeah, yeah. Especially around Christmas time, right? You get all the classics uh, oh, coming. Don't up. you? <laughs> I I often wonder, mate. I. It, this is this is maybe old man yelling at clouds, you know, rose-coloured glass, all that kind of stuff. When we were kids, there was three, four television stations. There was a couple of radio stations. There was something of the kind of commonality of experience that kind of brought us together. Right? To your point about Beetlejuice, right? 30% of us watched Beetlejuice last night because it was on. Yeah. Or we all watched the, the 9 o'clock news or 6 o'clock news on Channel 9 on Sunday night or whatever it was. Um, we kind of had the same, like that kind of cultural upbringing where we kind of all know the same ads and we all watch the same shows and... I'm not. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm unhappy that people have their own ability to go and find their own corner of the world and find their people. I think that's really, really cool. The internet, right? You, whatever your interest, you go jump on Facebook or WhatsApp or TikTok, wherever you go these days, and there's there's, there's your people, which is awesome. Yeah. But I do wonder about kind of that cohesion thing of the shared experience, the kind of you know the stuff that kind of brings us together a bit. Well, this is fascinating. I read an article recently was talking about the increasing polarization in the world, particularly in, in the US. Yeah. So back in the traditional media sort of age, 1950 to 1990s plus kind of thing, there was the business model for TV networks, media outlets was really to aim for the middle because mm. that's where all the money was. You right, had to right, please, right. advertisers wanted to reach the broadest audience well, So possible. Meadow Lee and McCain Vegetables and, yeah, yep. you know, Buttercup Bread, you, you, you said, well, I guess I'll go to TV because that's where they are. You didn't lean too far to the left. You didn't lean too far to the right. You tried to keep everyone happy. Now that right. model is different. Now, as you said, you, you actually, you go for the niche. You go for mm-hmm. a particular vertical. And so it's sort of like there are great advantages with that. As you say, you can sort of find your people, but you can also find yourself in a massive echo chamber yeah. and, oh, and you man, can find certain organisations, maybe one that, <laughs> that uh, I won't mention for fear of being sued. That, that, uh, okay. know, they, they've, been, they've been sued before and they lost. It's okay. Yes. Yeah. Well, I don't want to have to put that <laughs> to the test. Anyway, let's, let's talk about that's investing. That's page P-A-G-E. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, right. I, no, so, but here's, here's my, here is my investing takeaway slash question mm-hmm. is – how do investors in consumer companies need to think differently? Because, you know, back in the day, the, 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 re- the, the newsworthy stuff and media-wise and advertising-wise was when a company bought, they used to call it wall-to-wall. So you would buy the 6.06 p.m. ad slot on 7, 9, and 10. And so no matter what news you were watching, you saw the new ad for the new blockbuster movie yep. or the new margarine or the new soft drink or the new something. It was, it was, and it was noteworthy because it was cost of fortune. And buying them all was something that only ever happened if you were desperate to make sure you absolutely got everyone watching TV. And most of us did, because as you say, there was nothing else to do. Mm. Uh, if, you, if you're a consumer company, if you're investing in consumer companies, how do you think about how your investing should... I mean, I would maybe not even change, because a lot of others weren't investing in 1982, so that's okay. But mm. how do you do to think about these sort of, these sort of brands and, and advertisers and media companies and, and consumer goods in general in, in this very fractured 
Uh, very, very kind of you know, we're, we're a collection of niches these days. Yeah. How, how does that? What does that mean? How does that change? I mean, companies have adapted. So I mean, look, this is this is why Google and Facebook are two of the biggest companies on the planet because <laughs> yeah, right. they sell you the audience. It's just much more targeted it's much, you've got a lot more detail you didn't know who was watching the news in 1982 <laughs> except everyone right yeah um, but now I, I only want to talk to males between the age of 32 and 42 that have expressed an interest in AFL or something like that and it is sort of so that's fine they've adapted and and I think I think as the landscape continues to adapt they will find new and interesting ways to sort of get get it out there. I mean, even the more recent iteration of that is not so much through traditional advertising, but through this whole influencer phenomena, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, that, which is a whole other interesting thing as well. So it's a, it's, it's a constantly evolving thing where the, I'm going to go out and really way out on the spectrum oh, here, no, but I think yeah. what is potentially interesting mm. is that the whole economics of the internet is attention. That's the commodity yes. that we all trade and companies pay a lot of money for it. Mm-hmm. And we've kind of signed a devil's bargain with that. It's kind of like, we're cool. <laughs> I am cool to get quote unquote free email. I am cool to get free search. I'm cool to get all of these things because uh, it's free, <laughs> but it's not free. <laughs> I'm giving up a lot of information and, and data in exchange for that. Mm. So this is sort of going way down the track and I don't have a firm view on it, but I do wonder if different models can e- exist where it's like there's much more tools and uh, mechanisms for me to to retain my privacy and perhaps do microtransactions direct with 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 people. In other words, it's more like we we we've gone away. Maybe we move a little bit away from free and into much more uh, um, tailored services and stuff. And 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 with a direct cost involved. It, it feels as though, well, why would I ever pay for that? And I think the current infrastructure makes it difficult. I mean, I'm not going to pay one cent to read an article because that's yeah, dumb, right? right? And, right, and right, right. Visa's never going to process that without cost, you know. Mm, mm. And, you know, you probably think where I'm going here. I'm not in, in specifically, but just <laughs> the, the ability to oh, do yes, rapid, yes. fast, free microtransactions potentially mm, changes mm. that. And I'm, and again, I'm not saying this is, you know, 2027, but I think longer term, that, 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 that's going to make things very interesting if, mm. if it happens. I mean, the reverse of that is not so much microtransactions, but I mean, Elon's whole Twitter thing, we probably spoke long enough about, um, we've spoken long enough about Twitter and Elon and all that kind of stuff. But the $8 a month thing I find fascinating. Speaking of attention, right? So yeah. right now, Elon A wants to charge you 100 bucks a year. B, there's a general view in the Twitter sphere that it's kind of a bit, you know, a bit gauche to kind of be paying that sort of money and who would do that? And there's a bit of derision for the blue ticks. I am going to, speaking of going on limbs, I'll go further on limb as well and say, I think it'll start to work in time. Yeah. Because if you think about the way this works those people for whom attention is most valuable and so frankly the motley fool not not on twitter we have been approached a million times to do some banner display type advertising right some brand building advertising Mm. and every single time we say no thank you we only pay per click it's what Mm. we do it's our Mm -hmm. our business model right yep and and so you know so we we pay for delivered actual engagement attention you know Mm. whatever Mm. um the the Twitter version of this is exactly the same thing. For now, only a few people are going to buy the blue ticks. And eventually, someone says, well, I kind of, it's hurting my business if I don't do it, so I kind of need to. And if Elon's right, it'll, it'll actually get its own, at some point, its own momentum because when enough people do, you won't get noticed at all unless you have one. And then you kind of don't have a choice but to do it. And then no one mm. else has a choice but to do it. And all of a sudden, everyone's, everyone who's got a vested interest in the business of Twitter attention mm. Yeah, if it's if it's you know John Smith yelling at Jane Smith across the the internet divide, they're not going to pay because they don't care, right? But mm. but at some point, when the, for those for whom the Twitter audience is, is able to be monetized, you're kind of going to have to because that's going to be the new currency, right? You need yep. to be like Google Search. You can't pay for that, but you can play with the algorithm. Yeah. At some point, it is pay to play. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, things things. We always just accept the status quo. We, I think we were talking about the status quo last week, weren't we? And it, yeah. it just like you, it just seems so normal. But the things that weren't, do you remember? Like, I mean, back in the talk about back in the day, like people would spend two or three bucks a day on a newspaper, right? Yes, and, right, and right, blink. Exactly. Yeah, and then the world changed, and then someone said, "Oh, how about five dollars a week, and you can have access mm-hmm. anytime, updated." I'm like, well, I'm not paying for that. You know, we get, and we just we get we get used to things very 
quickly and it's usually it's sort of one of my favorite terms gradually then then suddenly so yeah. i wouldn't rule it out what you're talking about there i i think i think it's i think that necessarily but i can see if, i can see a version of it going that way because eventually if you haven't got a tick you won't be in the replies if you're on the replies no one pays attention to you if you rely on twitter audiences for, for currency and for, for business, you can't afford not to. And then that kind of, you know, it becomes a cost of doing business pretty quickly. Yeah, I think it was also, there was a naivety with all of us, with the world in general, when these new models mm. presented themselves. We just saw free. And I think yeah. people, particularly younger generations, are very aware of the currency of, mm. of data. It's worth a lot. Your, your attention, your, your time, the information you reveal about yourself is valuable. And and so it, it, I I can see people absolutely saying, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll happily pay this, get all this service, but I retain my sovereignty, my 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 privacy, um, and I don't get the ads. I, 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 I not not for everything. There'll be some things where it's like, no, nah, I'm happy to opt into that. I'm happy to opt out to yeah. that. But I, I can see I can see the world changing. I mean, look at God. I, now that I'm talking, I can think of a thousand examples. Remember, software itself. You yep. would buy, I used to work for a company a hundred years ago. <laughs> they did financial software and you'd buy it. And in the mail, you'd get a box with a CD-ROM. It was a one-off right. cost. That was it. Hey, you dude, I remember, I remember putting three and a quarter floppies in, or three and a half floppies. Wow. Doing to update Windows, 11 of them in a box. Yeah. yeah. So the Windows are off, I can't remember which. 11, you had to wait for the first one to go there and say, insert disk two of 11. You put disk two and you wait another 55 minutes and right. you go again. And yeah. then, we, then we, when we stumbled upon the subscription model, Mm-hmm. By the way, why did every company go to a subscription model? Because the revenues mm-hmm. are much more reliable and over the <laughs> yeah. lifetime value is far, far more than what you would have got with the one-up. So, so the world is, is moving and we all adapt and that's just normal now. I don't blink. Mm-hmm. I don't expect to use MailChimp, service that we use for our email communications mm-hmm. and expect that I'm just going to pay for that and then I'll have that forever. I was like, no, nah, give me a subscription. I want all the latest features and this and that. And it just Again, it's just the point being is that they're pretty – pretty noticeable transitions in yeah. in hindsight so it's just you know i'm always wary of anyone who says no nah, this is how it's always been no it's not it's been <laughs> yeah, eight, it's eight years you're always is eight years <laughs> and secondly you know that there's, there's there's again you don't want to make firm predictions on this other than it will change change is the constant i think in in life the universe and certainly in investing it really is it really is. Mate, i got a question for you okay oh i thought we got i thought we'd escaped this <laughs> Go on, ask I, a question. Well, no, I, I, I got a, I got a tweet from Alex during the week, uh, and Alex, Alex was concerned about uh, my questions. Mm-hmm. So Alex suggested I ask some different questions. Oh, I, I'm so my su- question is supporting Alex here. Yes, does strawman allow the tracking of cryptocurrencies? <laughs> it doesn't. Um, I'd be tempted to put one on there, but I'd, I'll be honest with you. I don't think the membership's that keen. <laughs> Could you do one and not do the others though? I've got very little interest in ripping people off and inviting people into scam and grift. <laughs> there you are, Alex. You're welcome. Thank you, for the, thank you for the suggestion. And other listeners who don't love my usual question about straw men, you're welcome. You can thank Alex later. Uh, mate, um, let's get to the news of the of the week. We're about what ten minutes in, I suppose, which is about good for no, us. Only thirteen. Um, it's okay. Oh, who's counting? Uh, we certainly not. Uh, speaking of counting, if you're counting your pennies, do you like that? It's a beautiful segue. Love it. Hardly even noticed. Uh, inflation. Master class seven. in segues. Oh, perfect. Seamless. Should be on. I should be on the Today Show. Uh, inflation now seven percent. Mm. Which, again, as I say semi-regularly, we go, oh, good news, inflation fell to 7%. You say, 7%, how is that point? You know, oh my that's good news apparently these days because that's the world we're in. Even better news was the quarterly number was only 1.4%. Mm. And this is mm. kind of, oh, this is boring but important. Uh, when you get a quarterly inflation read that we got on Wednesday, we're doing this on Wednesday afternoon, we got it Wednesday morning, um, you, you pick up a new quarter's worth of data. So you pick up January, February, and March 2023, that goes in. And then those same three months of last time's read, December's read, fall off. So you're kind of always carrying three quarters and you're adding a new one. You're kind of dropping off the back one, picking up a new one, and, and on and on it goes. It's not a caterpillar tracks, right? You're kind of adding one at the front, you pull one out of the back. Mm, I like the, the analogy. Do you like it? Thank you. Oh, the, nice. best, the best part of it is uh, 1.4% for the quarter, which if you just you know multiply by four, you, you shouldn't directly, but just as, mm-hmm. as an indicative number, that's 5.6. I was going to say only 5.6, but I stopped myself. That's 5.6%. And so there is a real sense that the inflation 
uh, bogeyman, call it which one, is genuinely starting to, I think, recede, at least for now, at least for one quarter. Asterisk, asterisk, I've got to put three or four of them in there. I Dare I hope, Andrew? Uh, no, I think you should hope. I mean, I, I'm, I mean, we've spoken about it before. I, I definitely yeah. think we're past the peak. I mean, for whatever whatever that opinion is worth. And I, I, right. I, I'm the first to acknowledge that not just mine, but anyone's <laughs> because, right. you know, this is diabolically hard to predict. But the, the, the trouble with all of um, these kinds of things mm. is that there's not a simple cause and effect. There's right. not a you know, leads to B, mm-hmm. leads to C. Mm-hmm. It, it, there, there is like a thousand things acting on this at once. There's not, there's not a mathematical equation or, or a law of physics, right? It's, it's really lots not. of messy, squishy stuff all happening and yeah. with feedback loops and things we know and don't know and things yeah. that change time on time and yeah. yeah. So if I was to give a narrative and that's all it is, I mean, it's just, I mean, by the way, everything in investing is narrative. I've just, I've come to yep. this epiphany lately. Oh. It's, all, it's all narrative, right? It's Mate, all- Economics is psychology. There's, yeah. there, you know, there's, we, we use maths to explain it. Yeah, but economics is psychology. It's, it's all it is. But the math, the maths is part of the narrative, right? So I would say yeah, I think right. I still yeah. do believe. I mean, I'm very firm on the view that fundamentals drive things, but it's really the story mm. around the fundamentals that drive yeah. things. And that you know, so your your reasoning needs to be sound, and it needs to mm-hmm. eventually be backed by data, so you can say <laughs> yes, it is all backed by fundamentals. But it's mm-hmm. still at any given point in time. If the share price is reflecting those fundamentals, it's because the narrative and story wrapped around that, or they help present right. a better story and narrative around that. So, so anyway, so here's my here's my crack at it. So I think <laughs> for the longest time, inflation just disappeared, which is like really bizarre, right? Because everyone was expecting it after the GFC, it mm-hmm. just didn't happen. Yeah, that's right. It was yeah, yeah, exactly. Like yeah. really, like not Double just recessions and all sorts of stuff were supposed to happen. Two thousand nine, ten, eleven. Yeah. Not only did it not happen, but it was like way at the lower end of the range. It's like, what's going <laughs> yeah. all of that money printing and every, what the hell went on? I think in retrospect, again, it's a narrative. Mm. You'll, others will have their own. But I, I feel <laughs> as though actually all of that stimulus pretty much went to Wall Street, not Main Street, mm. Mm. Um, to use the phrase. So it was sort of like, and, that, and we actually saw massive inflation in asset valuations, right? So that, mm. that's where it revealed itself. Then we had the pandemic. And the pandemic was different because the money that was created there went into our hot little hands. So we didn't run off and buy uh, a new Van Gogh or a Rolex or whatever (laughs) asset you- Well, you you might have. (laughs) I did. I'm sure. Other people might have. But, but, you know, (laughs) we we had more money to spend. And, Mm -hmm. um, And then at the same time, we had this really nasty war in, in Northern Europe. And, and, and that was the driving, remember, that was the, that was the reason why inflation, that was wheat and oil and everything else. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. was, it wasn't wrong, but I think it, it sort of, that was a very, and I think there's data to su- support this. That was a very transitory inflationary factor. So it, mm-hmm. it definitely had an impact, but a lot of that has already rolled over. And yet inflation is still here. So I think we're sort of seeing these different things moving in the same direction. One is sort of coming off and we are past the peak, but it hasn't gotten past the fact, I, I, I don't think, that there was a lot more money sloshing around in, in the real economy and, and that that is, that is the more dominant factor at this point in time. Mm. And now you've got these feedback loops that roll onto it as well, whereas these ex people are genuinely paying higher higher costs, so businesses are passing that along. So then people are demanding higher wages. So I think you know, let's not get into that debate. But you know, there again, there's this <laughs> prolonged uh, multitude of different things sort of pushing towards it. So this is a long run up to say, yeah, I'm really happy to see inflation trending down, but I still stand by my view that two to three percent target band is always off and by the way that's not just that's the rba's view that's the yeah. federal reserve's 2025 they're saying and the, the these, these 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 are people who um again there's no nefarious lizard people conspiracy here is it's like they're going to try and put a positive spin on things right and yeah. and they are saying that it's years away yeah. so yeah i'm 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 grateful for it moving in the right direction but i <laughs> yeah. i i find it yeah it's going to be it's going to be tricky to, to to really get it back to where we would like it to be yeah, I think it's a really good summary, mate. I um, people also say, well, what, "What will the RBA do?" And my stock answered, "To most people's disappointment, is I don't know. I'm not in Philo's head. I can tell you what I think they should do if I was them, but I'm not an expert. I'm just the you know, I, well, 
I hope, like, you want to have some expertise, but I'm not a monetary expert. These guys have been studying it for decades. It must be, you know, a trillion gazillion years worth of combined experience in Martin Place. Uh, so what they will do, I have no idea. I can have a view of what I would do if I was them or what I think they should do. That's an entirely different question as to what they will do because who knows? I'm not I'm not in their heads and it's it's really, really hard to know. What I, what I I'm, look, I'm just thankful, mate, honestly. <laughs> in, in, in the world that we're in, uh, the, the, the quicker inflation comes down, the less... It destroys permanently standards of living. And I don't, I, that sounds like I'm being uh, hyperbolic. I'm really not. Um, no, no. That is, that is a very again, accurate every, statement. Yeah. yeah. Every percentage point of inflation is, is is a permanent loss of standard of living. You know, until and unless <laughs> wages catch up and overtake that, we're we're, we're in a trough, right? It, it, we're in negative territory. We're underwater. You got a pay cut. Comes good when you pick it up. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I mean, it's not in nominal terms, but real terms. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's what, what. What do I really care about? What the price of? Oh uh, well, see, is. here's the thing, though. Go, go on. Well, I have an it, it's 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 <laughs> it's more about like the effort that I put in, the reward I get, and how yep. how long. I, the beautiful thing about money, and money is really just such a supreme investment. Uh, sorry, investment um, invention, mm. is that that it allows me to transport my time and energy across time and space, and that that is that is a truly profound invention mm. that that, as far as we know, only humans have sort of come up with here. Yeah. And when you when you dilute that, it is theft, you know, pure and simple. And it is it is a real real cost. So very 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 uh, pernicious and 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 something that I think we should be worried about. Yeah, except that I am. I've, speaking of everything being behavioural, everything being psychology, I am absolutely convinced. If you ask people to choose between two worlds, one in which they had a pay rise of five percent in a six percent inflation world, or a pay rise of two percent in a one percent inflation world. Oh, 100%. They take the five percent pay rise every day, every day, any day of the week. And so, and, and honestly, people will be happier with three, four, five percent more in their pay this year, paying seven percent, than they would have been getting nothing in a deflationary environment or getting two percent in a one percent inflation world. Because humans are just humans, and we we. You don't know. It's a bit like the RBA interest rates versus inflation thing, right? With rates, you've got someone to blame. Someone, someone literally does a thing on purpose, and it hurts, and so we can blame him. Yeah. Inflation could be worse, but it's big and it's broad, and yeah, it's kind of there, but we kind of accept that it happens anyway, and no one's actually involved in doing it. So somehow it's just, it's somehow it's less sinister or less, less. You know, we we can't we can't find someone to hate. Short of inventing some inflation gods. Um, there's, there's no one to blame for that so it's kind of you always have to leave it alone but when you can find someone to blame for a thing it's like yeah that's right I'm going to get low because he did this and he did that to me and he should lose his job because he's a bad man and you think that's it's really 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 you know it exposes a lot of it's not even naivety it's just human nature right like I don't mm. want to be too critical about it it's, it's so pernicious so yeah. prevalent yeah. Uh, it's, it takes a lot of work just to recognise let alone avoid it in yourself yeah I mean this is I've always thought this is why uh policymakers will always go towards if there's a there's a lesser of two evils to go for <laughs> so again you could yeah. do some really radical kind of things to mm-hmm. control inflation and there'd be a yep. lot of pain a lot of early and maybe you could argue maybe you're better off result longer term yep or you can just make everyone wear inflation for a, for <laughs> yeah, a lot, right. lot higher a lot longer than you think and yeah, they both yeah. kind of suck but you know people will always opt duck, for the, you know what no one wants the punch to the face we'd be just like mm-hmm. you know a thousand little pokes to the arm or something yeah, one, yeah. one one will end up hurting you a lot more but it's just like you don't notice it as much it's, it's why, I mean, early 1980s, we've said this before, Paul Volcker, the then US Fed chair, put rates up during a recession, was the most hated man in America for years. And then eventually, 40 years later, he's like, oh, gee, Paul Volcker, he wasn't that bad. Was he actually the right thing? Or, or mm. Paul Keyes' recession we had to have was like, he actually said, the, as you like to say, the quiet bit out loud. Yeah. That was literally, like, that, that's, it was true. Like, that was exactly- that, He wasn't he, wrong. I understand. Yeah. Exactly, right? Yeah. Lost, lost government for it. We'll always be pilloried for it, for actually telling the truth. Instead yeah. of saying- bloody reserve bank they should have done that i'm on your side workers i want to look after you and i'll replace the governor next time let's have a reserve bank review let's fix this because clearly it's broken Mm. it was none of that it was like well that's just we had to because that was that was how we fixed this This, that was the solution sorry but that's the reality it's just it's political poison and 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 frankly honestly mate the downside of that is politics have spent 32 years lying to us as a result like Mm. politics aside both sides of, of parliament both sides of politics just lie to us through their teeth now because they don't want to be Paul Kenny again. Even though he was the guy who told the truth, what, he, what did he teach them? He taught them that telling the truth was going to cost you votes. Yes, which is a, a disappointing thing. Let's move on because I don't like being negative. Well, I guess I, where I want to where I want to lead this to because I mean I'm, there'll be a bunch of people listening that goes okay whatever. What, where is it? 
What does that that's mean that's to my home? What's, what's my home loan? <laughs> what's yeah, going to happen right. with my home loan? So, okay, go on. So what's the prediction? Well, so, well, oh, I mean, <laughs> just sticking with the facts, I think the consensus was for 6.9, 6.8, something like that. So it, was, it came in hotter than it better. Look, yeah. it's trending in the right direction, but it was still higher than was expected. So mm. all else being equal, it, 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 it's probably more of an encouragement to the RBA to lift mm. rates. Now, as I understand it, I think there's, um, uh, for May, an expectation that it'll hold. I think you know, there's always exceptions there, but I think most accept, mm. e- expect that. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that as long as inflation remains sticky, that mm. pressure is always going to be there. Yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's a good point. I, I have a feeling they will go up in May. Um, so again, will and should they should probably go up in May. I don't think you can look at seven percent inflation and go, ah, let's let it ride. Let's see what happens. Um, and I, I do. People hate me saying this because no one wants to pay more for their mortgage. If if you're the Reserve Bank, you're better off going one too many than one too few rate rises because, frankly, if we've got to come back in six months and go again, it's going to hurt a hell of a lot more. Because by then it'll be it won't be another quarter percent, it'll be another four percent, right? Mm. If you if we get to August and they go, so inflation's now back to eight and a half percent, guys. Um, either we're giving up on trying to get it down, and we'll just you know buggy buggy, good luck. Or they say, guess what? Buckle in because it's going to hurt even more. And that's when mm. rates get through the roof, and that's when real pain happens. And I think the risk of you know it's it, every it's it's axiomatic. Every single time the reserve moves, the last movement in the cycle up or down is always one too many by definition because hindsight's always twenty twenty. Um, but uh, the cost of doing cost of not doing enough is just is just asymmetric. Yep. Or, or let me let me say disproportionately use it my, my word rather than yours. You know, um, I love the word asymmetric. It, it is disproportionate. You, you know, doing not quite enough and letting the cat back out of the bag is just it's, it's it'd be crazy. Absolutely, if your if your job is risk reward, you, you're crazy not to make sure it's dead well, rather than rather than hope and, and do the wrong thing. We should probably not talk about interest rates, um, nominal interest rates. We should probably talk about real interest rates go on so what's oh, the what's the point of getting a four percent interest rate on some fixed interest in investment if the inflationary environment is five percent my real yeah, rate yeah. of interest is negative one percent again what mm. matters here not just the nominal numbers here but the purchasing power of that dollar is going backwards after my return you know so and and generally right. speaking historically when you look at periods of negative real rates it's a bit of a distortion here it's just sort of mm-hmm. like well where's the incentive to save 100 not even invest i just mean yep. save yep yep right like i i like even with the interest rate and i and the, it's, it's kind of like mm-hmm. our whole economy <laughs> to a large extent relies on the recycling of capital we take it from mm. savers we give yeah, it to yeah, entrepreneurs yep. Yep. You know, yep. they yep. do something with it. They create value. We all go ahead. Now, why am I mm-hmm. even going to put my money in an institution that will end it out again for productive uses, hopefully, not just chuck yeah. it into bricks and mortar as, as, as we love <laughs> to do in Australia? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but why am I going to, why am I even going to take that deal when I'm still going backwards after interest rates are accounted for? Yep. So there, yep. there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a problem with that. And so you can say, well, the RSBS is going to give up on it. And they just won't. And imagine a scenario where one graph continues to go up, the other one doesn't. And so then the real rate of interest goes negative two, negative three, mm-hmm. negative four. I mean, that just, I mean, how, how tight can you pull a rubber band before it snaps? Well, a long way and you never know exactly what point, but it's, it's a worry. And you, you, that, that, that is why I think a lot of the time the RBA and any central bank will have their hands tied to some extent. Mm. And you're right. It's not so much a matter of finding the right point at which these things can happen, but it's a question of as the rubber band gets stretched further, the risks simply get higher. Yes. And maybe that maybe they come to nothing. Yeah. But at some point, you know, you you parachute out of a plane at forty thousand feet, then you parachute out of a plane at ten thousand feet, then you start base jumping off a you know a bridge at at, at hundred feet, and you know at some point the risks become untenable, and the chance of bad outcomes not guaranteed. Not not you know, there's very few things you can say when it gets to this point, then all bets are off. <laughs> but what you can say is that we get closer, you know, f- further away from normality or or, or historical averages, uh, the the greater the chance of some you know very meaningfully bad outcome you just you just conjured up an image of um wiley coyote plowing into the ground <laughs> and then his parachute <laughs> opening uh, after he's hit you know it's yeah like, exactly there's, exactly. there's no. yeah <laughs> it's a good it's a good uh, good analogy mate um, let's take interest rates to a different direction mm. because 
If you're investing in office real estate, you are paying a lot more on that debt than you were only 12, 18 months ago. Yeah. And yet, demographics aren't necessarily in your favor. There's something you wanted to chat about. You kind of mentioned to me off air yeah. when we started recording. You just kind of you kind of just painted a bit of a picture. Maybe you can just paint that that hypothetical picture for our listeners. I think there's oh, it's not just me who thinks this, um, but there's 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 a potential storm brewing in that space. <laughs> it's no secret, really, for those that follow it. Tell but us the, why. So, office buildings, commercial real estate in general, is a pretty simple business idea. I've got, it cost me this much to sort of operate and I generate this much from rents and one hopefully above the other. It turns out with these kinds of assets that a big part of the expense is the debt, like a very big part of it. Um, uh, and and the rent is, is all of the income. So what's happened recently? So we've had all of these uh, projects, buildings, et cetera, or not even new ones, just ones that have been rolled over as the debt gets refinanced that was happening under historically very, very low rates. So their costs were really, really low. Now, as we know, interest rates have gone from effectively zero to three and a half percent plus. And this is a phenomenon in the US and in the West in general, in fact, in China and everywhere. It's a, it's a, it is, it doesn't, I've made the comment before, it doesn't sound like a lot, zero, three percent, they're both kind of low numbers. But in, you know, in another very real way, that is, a, that is like, you know, your interest bill has gone up dramatically. Yeah, so that's, yeah. that's tough for business. Now, if you've got a wonderful block of um, office uh, complexes where there's just sky high demand. That's fine. You can just pass on the costs and you'll you'll be okay. I saw the really interesting data from the US recently. They were tracking uh, cell phones, well, mobile phones. We call them here. Cell phones, what they call them there. Uh, activity in in some of the big CBD districts around the US. And um, one, it's a little bit disconcerting when you remember just how much we're all tracked and you go, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know where I am at every exact oh, yeah. point in time. That's yeah, kind, yeah. Of, kind of a concern. Anyway, um, so cell phone activity in downtown San Fran was, was, is currently 31% of pre-pandemic levels. So no one went into the office during the pandemic. Right. Now that's kind of over. 31%. Okay, so down by 29%. No, it down by sixty nine percent. So it's thirty one percent of three pandemic. Sorry, misunderstood. Sorry, yeah. What really? Yeah. So two so two out of three workers haven't returned to San Fran. San Fran's an interesting case because it's very tech oriented. So people aren't going in to dig holes, right? Still, like, that's you know, two out of three. That's not. That's not. Who's who's come back? Yeah, remarkable. Yeah. So so that's interesting. Boston yeah. down, cut in half. Chicago, even New wow. York is twenty five percent below wow. pre pandemic levels. So, okay. and you don't need me to tell you this, right? Like, you, anyone who works but in the oh, city. I, oh, I mean, I, sorry, that's why I literally thought, I thought it was the other way around. I thought you were mm. saying it was off by a third, which I'd get. I wouldn't have, half in Boston, mate, is, is much, 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 much worse than I thought it was. Yeah, me too. Me too, right? So, um, look, I, 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 you, you can argue the numbers, but this is where, it's, this is where it, it, un, it pays to understand the operating leverage of these businesses. I think those who right. study the childcare sector know it very well. So the reality is that these, org, these operations break even. It's something like, I'll use the childcare example because I, I used to know it a bit, which was I think is about 80% capacity, you break right. even. And everything after that is your profit. So when you go from... 90% occupancy to 78% occupancy. Again, it doesn't, oh, it's down. That sucks. We make a little less money. No, you're wiped out. Your profit, not you're wiped out. Your profit is gone. Yes. So now you've got these you've got these organizations where, again, well, we can debate the quantum of this and maybe this data isn't particularly accurate. Maybe it's not entirely relevant here, but you have, you have these, these highly leveraged assets and they kind of are by design. We learned that in 2008 and then we all forgot it again. And now maybe we're <laughs> going to remember it, but, but you're now, your costs have gone through the roof and your incomes have, have been absolutely decimated. As these organizations refinance, I think they're going to find it very, 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 very difficult. And there's going to be a lot of write downs in this space. And there's going to be a lot of reluctance to lend in this space. And it just, it feels like, like, yeah, could, could be a, a big deal for a lot of investors in this, in the commercial real estate sector. Or am I, am I being too doom and gloom? I don't know is <laughs> the mm -hmm. honest answer i absolutely share your concerns and i have voiced exactly those concerns on ausbiz and other where i don't know if we talk about it here necessarily but i 
I 100% agree with those concerns. I've said lots and lots of times, if I was going to invest in real estate, which I tend not to, this is uh, listed real estate, so I think mm-hmm. about REITs as they call them, or listed property trusts we used to call them. REIT stands for Real Estate Investment Trust, by the way, if you're wondering. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would go industrial kind of warehousing and bulky goods kind of stuff. So the big you know, homemaker centers or an Amazon distribution center. I own Amazon shares, I have to say that because I mentioned the company. Uh, uh, you know, then I would go neighborhood shopping centers. So, you know, I think that eventually gets disrupted by delivery and stuff. But you go out for, you grab your groceries, you get a coffee, you look at a dress, you grab a muffin, you know, that's mm-hmm. okay-ish. I'd then go to the big center group, the guys that are in Westfield, Australia, New Zealand, because they're kind of your day outs. You kind mm-hmm. of, you know... Um, I'm not saying they're attractive, by the way, but just in in, in relative relative um, relative terms, you know, yeah, they're, they're probably you know if you if you own a big multinational brand, you want to be in a Westfield. If you you know have a cinema, you're probably going to be in a Westfield. If you you know these these things are going to be in Westfields for the foreseeable future. But then you get the last two, which I don't know. I can I can split the the, fir- the first of the two. I'll leave the your one to last. But the first of the two, in no order, is the the kind of semi regional shopping center. You're not Westfield, but you're not around the corner. Mm. Like I've got to drive five suburbs to get to a shopping center. Where I might get a Best and Less and a Lowe's and a David Jones and a like. Well, if there's not one next door, and, or I'm not going to Westfield, I'm probably not going to you. As uh, I think one of the by the way, different conversation. But we'll talk about retail in a minute, so I'll leave that. But um, and then and then, it, and then it's office space for exactly the reason you highlight. Mm. I, I don't know. In one, in one version of the world, mate, the future is exactly like the past. And we all go back to working from the office because the working from home thing was fun for a while, but bosses hated it. And we wanted we wanted socialization and we wanted to be there. And we might be there three days a week, but if we're there three days a week, we're still on our own desk and the boss still needs an office, then, you know, it's less used, but it's still there. And they can't not have the office, so it's there. Um, those things, I, there's, a, there's absolutely a case where things are back to normal-ish or normal enough. And companies still pay the rent and it's mm. all okay. Mm. But I've got to say to you, I don't see massive upside to that case. And there is only downside, I think. I think if you if your job is to, let's use the word asymmetric again, because now you've maybe contractually obliged <laughs> to mention it at least 15 times a podcast. Um, the upside is like meh, and the downside is ooh. And those, you know, how's sound effects, by the way? Yeah, love it, love it. Um, you can't do that in a piece of paper. Uh, <laughs> you know, but I think that's right. I think you're absolutely right that even if we're wrong, you know, you know, you can you can make a bad bet and still get right, still be right. You, yeah. You're back 100 to one nag at, at, at the Melbourne Cup, and every 25 years it comes in. You're like, see, I told you I was right. Like, well, mm. sure, but you know, you got lucky. It wasn't a good bet. You just got lucky. Yeah. Um. You know, office could do well from here. And frankly, price alone, I look at I look at Texas for example. Um. It's at P of 11. I mean, not much probably has to happen. Maybe it's already priced in. So investment wise, if the worst doesn't happen, they might even be cheap. Mm. There, there is an upside potential here. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I I completely agree with you. In fact. I've only ever recommended one REIT to our members at the chair advisor. It's, um, I'll give it away. It's Goodman Group, the um, oh, yeah. industrial bulky goods yep. warehousing business. And that's, you know, I think that business is, it was cheap and I think it was, I think it's a good business. But you couldn't, you couldn't make me recommend or invest in office property for exactly the reason you've highlighted. There'll, there'll, there'll be exceptions to the rule even within that subcategory, I'm yes, sure. Yeah. So you, yeah. I mean, it's unavoidable to sort of speak in, in general terms. But there's, mm-hmm. there's, there's, I think there's a potentially enough. Mm organizations with enough problems that it it, it makes <laughs> yeah, things hard right. it's not a good bet. there'll be all kinds of stories around well we'll convert it into no one wants to work in the city but it's a very appealing mm-hmm. place to live so we'll just convert it into units and rah 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 and, and yeah you sure you can, you can possible yeah. that, that 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 could happen i mean a bunch of capex needs to happen to 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 make that um uh possible but yeah, I mean, nothing is certain, but it just, it seems, it seems like a precarious situation. Mm. I think the other thing with, with this, oh, look, again, who knows, but my guess is that we don't go back to normal. I, I, my position has always been this work from home trend was already happening without COVID. Yes, I agree. It was happening, right? Um, it was just happening pretty slow. And then this, this just forced everyone to do it. Mm. And I think for a lot of organizations, the lesson was, huh, Oh, apologies. My phone is not on silent. That? Um, That's all we can hear. It. Uh, uh, was, huh, the wheels kept spinning. People mm. can work from home. How about home. that? Oh. We can find a way. Exactly. Oh, and not only that, but I can. Mm. you're telling me I can save all this money on on rent? You know, and, it, and it's now it's a situation too. You see it in the media all the time where it's actually part of the core uh, enterprise bargaining agreements. Like, well, we want to work from home three days a week mm. or whatever it is. It is, it is, it is accepted from and increasingly so from from all parties. So to think that we go 
back to quote unquote normal. I, I, I feel as though, yeah, anything's possible, but I feel as though it's a spurious bet. And these, org- these, these projects, which take years and you know hundreds of millions of dollars to build, they just, you, you, you can't pivot quickly on this. You're not a small agile tech startup. We can say, okay, well now we're going to do this. And it's like, no, the money is invested in this thing. It is there. There are bills that now need to be paid back. That's the cash flow basis. Squillions go out the door on day one, and then hopefully you recoup it over the next 30 years. That's how it works. And 30 years is a long time for things <laughs> to change. So yeah, no, I, I, it's not for me. Not for me. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Let's pivot quickly to retail because that was the other bit I was going to go into, mate. I, I just want to make the case, and I'm sure I've said before, and this is not about our favorite, my favorite uh, online uh, only uh, e-commerce play, uh, <laughs> but it is it is a it is about just e-commerce generally. Have I said this recently? I just... I. Online growth, online sales growth continues. E-commerce growth continues. And I think we don't want to talk about it right now because it's gone to reverse because we had a COVID bump and so we're getting back to some sort of normal and the underlying growth though is still still really, 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 really strong. Yeah. And I'm not, again, think about Woolworths Home Delivery. Not, don't, forget, the, forget the online only guys. Woolworths Home Delivery or you know Harvey Norman's final... I don't have Harvey Norman chairs. Uh, I've got to mention an example. I don't know, <laughs> so I have to keep disclosing it. Um, they've, you know, Jerry's finally begrudgingly been dragged kicking and screaming to embrace e-commerce. Um, yeah. This is going to be a larger and larger share. I've I got to say, man, I, I don't know if I'm more scared of office or or that second tier retail because mm. you, speak, you mentioned unit economics of, of childcare companies. Unit economics, i.e. per store or per centre or per location economics of retailers is even worse. Yep. You know, you, you get you get a sales decline of 5 or 6% in a given year. Those stores are almost certainly borderline unprofitable. Yep. You do that for a couple of years in a row. Uh, Premier Investments, a business that I don't own shares in, thankfully, uh, run by Solomon Liu, a, a great retailer. Um, I was going to say, why do you say, why do you say thankfully for? They've gone all right, haven't they? No, yeah, I'm just I don't disclose it. Oh, no, okay. Fantastic. Oh, I thought you, I, I thought you were like, oh, oh, thank God I don't own them. I was like, oh, oh. God, no, I wish I'd owned them. Mate. They've gone very, very well. We yeah. recommended them, thankfully, for our members. They have gone very well, so I'm happy about that. But I said, I, I'm trying to avoid, I'm trying to avoid mentioning stuff I own. So I, <laughs> okay. I own okay. those shares. All right. Um, no, so yeah, I wish I did own them, but um, they've got they they're going really well, but they are they're closing stores. Mm. You know, Charlie was having those really big fights with landlords, saying you better cut our rent or we're out of here. Yeah, and and the reason is because they're getting sales growth of 20, 40 percent a year on average, not in the last twelve months, on average, over time, online sales growth. Mm. It, it, you know, Maya now does a third of its sales ish online. Maya, <laughs> and so you kind of think about you know how long does it take? And I think it's again, let's use a, a, a pageism, a ramism. Uh, you know, was it suddenly then, then all of a sudden? Gradually, then the, suddenly. There we go, gradually, suddenly. I knew I'd screw it up. It's not uh, mine, I, by I the way, but gonna, I'm, I'm going to no, own no. it. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna, I think we're going to see a wave of, of retail store closures hmm. that happen suddenly. You know, they're, they're because they're, they're, you know, they're, they're kind of borderline profitable and they're kind of unprofitable, but they're trying really hard. And then the landlords, the, the, the retail store owners go, okay, yeah, we're done. This thing's not my... Yeah, they'll keep it for showroom sites for a while, for a bit of brand exposure, for whatever. And then eventually they just go, no, we're done. We're out. Yep. And I've got to say, though, I reckon those landlords, if I... I, I put them on even footing before. I'm going to go one further. I actually think worse than office <laughs> is potentially um, the, those those second-tier retail landlords when the, the shops just close up and go, we don't need to be here. In yep. fact, we're not making any money. You're not adding anything to have a business. We can have half the number of stores and make more money, more, do- more, more profit, frankly, because we've got lower costs, but more revenues because... At some point, it won't be, I don't know how many years it'll be. At some point, premier investment sales are going to be more than 50% online. Yep. It's going to be an online retailer yep. with some stores. Great. And, and when that happens, that is, re, you know, you want some cheap real estate? Go and buy some secondhand uh, shopping centers when they when they close them down. Because that's, it, I don't, I'm not being doom and gloom, by the way. It's, it's not a bad thing overall. Um, speaking of freeing up some sites for, for homes and you know units and whatever else we want to build, um, I, I think that's going to be a pretty prime opportunity. And I, I don't know how many years, mate. Maybe it's twenty-five years, maybe it's three years, but it's probably somewhere in between there. Yeah. Uh, I let, let's say when we do this in twenty thirty. We will have seen the first wave of uh, large-scale wave of retail store closures. Is my best guess. So I'll give the retort here, and I do this more as a devil's advocate. Go, would, please, yeah, would yeah. be, I've heard that before. People have been yeah. saying that, Scott, for ages. Mm-hmm. Not going to happen. And I think, yeah. I think what we, we don't appreciate 
I mean, time is a funny thing when you're going <laughs> through it. You know, it's yeah. sort of, I think in the yeah. great arc of history, you look at these things and they happen <laughs> very quickly. But the, mm. you know, it, it like I'm always reminded of the fact that the Yellow Pages was delivered <laughs> up until 2016 or 2017. That's right. Yeah. 2017. I mean, this is like 10 years yeah. after the iPhone. For goodness sakes, you know, it's like <laughs> things change mm-hmm. very slowly. So I, I can imagine people saying, "Yeah." That people have been saying that for ages. There'll always be a place for physical, and I actually think, actually, both are true. You know, one people people tend to assume things will happen faster than they will, and they don't. There's there's a huge amount of uh, sort of inertia that's there. I think there will always be a, a place for physical stores. People still want to go out and and see and touch and all of that kind of stuff. But your point is the right one, which is it's the it's the change in balance between those two. And frankly, from the company's point of view, the economics tend to be much better as well because now I can have like a warehouse out near the airport, whatever, and, you know, it's just sort of like it, it, I, don't, I don't need all the floor staff that there. I don't need the expensive store fit-outs. Fit I don't. I mean, there are other challenges and the rest of it, but people, oh, yeah. Yeah. we are increasingly demanding the convenience that, that comes with all of that. Business models, infrastructures are all building up. So I agree. I 100% agree uh, with all of that. Here's another wrinkle, if you want to sort of think longer term, is that, the increasing rise of digital goods. So I look Mm -hmm. at my young fella and the things he values most in life are not real things. Well, they're real to him, but they're things you can't touch. A skin on Fortnite or a magic sword of whatever, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Or that yeah. but it, I mean sounds funny, but we we value these things, you know. We they're 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 real to us. And I I suspect over longer terms that we will increase the things that we want to spend our mi- money and time on will be virtual. <laughs> not, you know, not ready player one kind of we're in sort of met- metaverse kind of thing, but it just, right, it's, it's yeah. I mean, we're already here though, right? We are already yeah. here and and it, 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 the less tangible the goods uh, that we're buying are, the m- the more that it just accelerates the trend that you're talking about. So, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be very interesting. <laughs> yeah, I um I don't know. Mate, um, let's let's change gears a little bit, um, though still staying with property for a second, because we had the Australian Greens out this week saying they would only support the federal government's, uh, I think it's called the Housing Australia Fund, whatever, whatever fancy politician's name they came up with this thing to make it sound good, <laughs> if the government agreed to a rental freeze. Hmm. Now, you're a renter. I'm going to figure you would love to have your rent frozen for extended periods of time, but I'm wondering if you think that is a good economic policy. There's difference between what I personally would want for my own self-interest <laughs> and what I think is good policy. Well, I, you know what? There should be, mate. I'm glad there is for you because it's not not for a whole lot of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, I've been on Twitter long enough that people don't care much past self-interest most of the time. So well, thank you for well, suggesting there is a difference. I'd love it if my rent was frozen, right? Like I won't, I won't <laughs> yeah. lie to you. I don't think it's a good solution. I don't think right. it's a good solution. Tell me why. <sighs> Centrally planned economies <laughs> don't generally work well i mean there you you so radically the what you have to worry about are the unintended consequences yeah. and so while it sounds like a good idea you've already got and i've ranted on this so much mm. that i don't even barely need to repeat it but the economics are already <laughs> marginal at best yeah. for residential property investors in other words for a very significant chunk i'm ac- they're actually actively losing money on a cash flow basis right yeah so, okay, people are happy of that if they get a big enough capital gain. But when, when you introduce something like that, it's going to, it, it's, it's, go, it's, it's really going to pull the rug out from a lot of investment in that space. And one of the big, big issues that there's a whole bunch of ways that we could go about solving this, this horrible housing problem uh, that we have. But one of the big longer term goals is obviously more supply. And, and so I wonder if, I'm shooting a bit from the hip here, but I'm wondering if it actually is counterproductive in the grand yeah. scheme of things. Now, I know that this is the exact argument that the Property Council is going to go with, so I'm already yeah, that's right. starting to look myself in the mirror. and then, mm, yeah. Yeah. I mean, But it's like there are elements of truth to that, mm. I think. Um, yeah. Frankly, if I was in control of things, people often, you know, because I'm ranting about property all the time, they think, oh, you know, it, it's about the rent. And it's, it's kind of not. I, I actually feel as though, well, well, the rent is the rent and the market's going to charge what the market. I get it. I get it. It's just that if we are going to form a contract 
you know, can you at least fulfill your end of the bargain? That's that for me is the far bigger deal. You <laughs> know, okay, good, yeah, the wrench yeah. is high. Okay, that sucks. I'll deal with it. But at least if you know, the very least you can do is fulfill your end of the bloody bargain, right? You actually have doors that close, and exactly, yeah. Yeah, if that's not too much, can I have an oven, please? <laughs> you know, so it's sort of, it's sort you of hypotheticals, Andrew. <laughs> it's very close to the bone there. I could, could but won't tell you big long stories on that because we did go to NCAT, by the way. So anyway, anyway, it's. Fun. It's a fun oh, story. Yeah, um, day. yeah but I, I, what do you think, mate? I, I, I get the intention, yeah. but yeah, does it does it mess things up more than than it fixes things? Yeah, I think it does, mate. I, I you're right because whenever you're trying to take the opposite view or, or the alternative view to what's being proposed, it does make you sound like a raving, you know, um, hardcore free market tier. And plenty of people listening to me are like, yeah, do it. I'm like, no, that's not me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said before, I'm a well-regulated markets guy, not a, not a free markets guy. Uh, and But I think markets are right. I think markets are real. And I think markets give us the best outcomes because they do very, very imperfectly provide the best allocation of productive capacity. Oh. Right? That, that's actually what markets do, right? Can I, can I just say the phrase, the invisible hand, here, right? right, which, exactly, is, which exactly. is exactly what you're talking about. Right. And so, you know, the, the market decides what it values things at and where it wants to put its money. And as I, it, it's not a single it, as you've said many times before, but the collective decision-making of the parts of, of people <laughs> uh, give us a sum total at, at an economic level. We say, you know, X number of people did this thing for this price. So that's the total value of it over time. Um, it is, you know, the allocation of, of productive capacity is, is important. That's labor, it's capital, it's goods, it's all that sort of stuff. Why is there enough bread in the in the shops? Because we all pay a high enough price to justify the flour maker's decision to sell his flour to the baker and the baker's decision to make the bread the, and the mm-hmm. transport guy's decision to send it to the shop. Without that, you end up with Russian, Russian bread lines. You know, there's, yeah. if there's not enough incentive to do the thing. So, so between product, between allocative efficiency to use a horrible economics term and and very basic very very basic human incentive which is i want to do this thing because it's worth it mm. that's how the market works i mean i've said before democratic capitalism is the worst system in the world ever except for every other one that's been tried <laughs> right so that that's that's the reality is it's mm. imperfect horribly imperfect we should fix it. that's why i'm not a, a you know a card-carrying defender of free market capitalism it's not you know it's someone saying how somehow it's perfect and no no involvement or interaction is important government should do a lot of stuff to fix up the imperfections of capitalism but it is still the least worst option by a very long way yeah so specifically though when it comes to rent mate you would know this i, I think i'm not going to ask you to dox yourself but the the reality is you got to be careful, right? Because the, the the rent freeze idea is if rents were frozen, then more renters could afford to buy property. <laughs> I'm like, if you look at the rental yields on some of these places yes. compared to the mortgage repayments, some of these places, yeah, the economics are, are much are large, better for a renter, right? You know, exactly. Except for the wrinkle that I've often pointed out with the lack exactly. of security. Okay, putting that small issue aside, which yes, is a very yes. big issue, but yeah, absolutely. But it's not. But it's not for many people. It's not even that, mate. Because so, it's not even a choice. Yeah. Do I want to pay? 500 bucks a week in rent or 1300 bucks a week in repayments. Yep. Then I, you know, I don't know if those numbers absolutely stuck up, but they wouldn't be far away because some rental yields are one and a half, two, two and a half percent. Well, interest rates are four and a half, five, five and a half, six. Ours is less than a percent. I worked it out because I know what he paid for it. Ours is less than a one percent gross yield. (laughs) (laughs) Which, and so, so like, in other words, in other words, just to to, uh, draw that Mm -hmm. out from what the point, the house that we live in today, is far more affordable for me to rent mm-hmm. than it is to buy. Yes, yes. Which is, so that's exactly my concern is, and by the way, the only way that stops is if house prices crash by two thirds, mm-hmm. in which case, and you could be someone who says, I've trust me, I've talked to them on Twitter. One of those people say, oh yeah, well they deserve it. And that'd be better for everybody. It's like, you really, really, really don't want to live in the Australia the day after house prices crash by two thirds. Because you know what? Everything goes to hell in a handbasket probably for three or four years. Mm-hmm. Because the, the, the flow-on effects from that in the economy, it's not like, well, those greedy bastard corporate landlords lose and let's all eat the rich, ha, 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 we're all very funny. And by the way, I'm still employed and mm-hmm. I've got a job and the government's got enough tax revenue to pay my dole and, and, and. Mm. It's like that stuff, that stuff stops working. You want to be careful what you choose to break because this is all interconnected. Yeah, the best, scenar- saying- the best scenario is we go sideways for 15 years. Right, right, because- which is, and Which is no bad thing either, by the yeah. way, but- if, you, if we create inadvertently or deliberately some sort of eat the rich, screw them, who cares outcome, mm. it wrecks the economy. And that's not just, it doesn't wreck the fortunes of Twiggy and Gina. Mm. It pushes people out of homes. It sends them out of jobs. It, you know, people can't afford it. There's so much stuff that goes with that. I think there's a, there's a lot of well-meaning 
just incredible naivety out there, which is we can just change this one thing, leave everything else the same, and look, I've magically created a different Nirvana. Mm-hmm. And I'd lo- I, be- I wish it was true. Mm-hmm. I'd love to believe it was true. Mm-hmm. It's just not. It's and not. so that's, you know, when, when you want to freeze rents, again, first order impact, hey, less high, lower rent increases, fantastic. Yeah. Second, third, fourth order impacts are, oh my God, what did we do? Mm-hmm. Somebody please put the genie back in the bottle. And yeah. it just doesn't work. It, doesn't it, 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 it really doesn't. I mean, this is, I mean, it's so... I've been so drawn into this lately, but it is the, the money is a global coordination mechanism. This mm-hmm. this is what it it does, and don't tinker with it. Right? You, it's like it's like getting into a telecommunications network and making sure half the lines aren't transmitting our voice calls accurately. You know, <laughs> yeah, the, the right. thing breaks down. I mean, no, yeah. we you might do. Yeah. Oh, there's people here talking about how to make bombs, and there's people doing. So we need to mm-hmm. control that. And you just it, it these often come from very well intentioned people doing well-intentioned mm. things, but the, it, it kind of breaks down. So unfortunately, people can only tend to think, you know, I'm a, I'm a full-on communist or I'm a full-on yeah. ultra-capitalist, exactly. as if like that's the only yeah. two yeah. choices. But yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think I think we, we, we recognize the things that markets can do. They're really good mm. at, at T-shirts and baked beans. That's brilliant at that kind I of stuff. So. Yep. I don't yep. know if capitalism is the best model for uh, jails or... <laughs> schools or hospitals exactly. you know like yeah. there are yeah. there are other natural or power when outcomes can't be when outcomes can't be measured in dollars and cents yeah capitalism doesn't work quite anywhere near as well yeah it doesn't or when there's whenever there's a natural monopoly that's another yes, one that's as well yeah. Yeah. yeah so so for example you might sort of say i'm a free market capitalist anyone should be able to build electricity transmission lines and can you imagine what the landscape would look like? Like your local street would have 15 <laughs> right. different poles running down it and you yes, get to choose. Yes. It just doesn't make sense. Like, well, you need- do, you remember, do you remember for a while Telstra and Optus put separate yes. uh, pay TV cables up across most streets in the country? It was just stupid. Yeah, well, I know it very Just well from living in a million rental houses because it depends. Right. It's a bit of luck of the draws, which which yeah, is which, which is the MBN is branded as or whatever. But yeah, it, 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 you, it, yeah. You, yeah. You, in those situations, like, well, it only makes sense mm. to have one player, but it, with great power comes great responsibility, and we're going to make yes. sure that you 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 are regulated on that. Um, That's a great regulation, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you need it. You need to have it because yeah. if you didn't have it, then yeah. they say we're going to triple your electricity cost, and if you don't mm. like it, you can freeze to death, right? You know, so it's just sort of you you there. there are exceptions but yeah generally speaking when it comes to things like housing people are making economic calculations not for any greater good all in our self-interest and things kind of tend to when left to their own devices yes, that's right that's the key thing things tend uh, to look, work out i would yeah, I, yeah. let's take, well, take this from the other angle i would say a great deal of the problems we have had have been exactly mm. for the same effect so we, we, uh, we have had government after mm. government after government doing what we've got a housing problem young people can't buy houses let's give them a first homeowners grant <laughs> great idea in theory <laughs> right so they've pushed it the other yeah. way Correct. everyone gets 15 extra grand which doesn't do anyone any favors except people who happen to be selling at that point in time, you're right. So it's just, there is stupid. We have, we have the problem we have now because I think a lot of policymakers have gotten in the way and made it this way. And now we're going to try and fix the problem that we created by introducing other things where there is a, (laughs) there is a, a lot of sense in just not a laissez-faire capitalism, but allowing markets to do what markets to do well and just setting out the framework and the environment. We, we, want, we want fair rules. We want clear rules. We want all of that. And then markets can get on and do what they do. Because in an environment where there's, you know, sort of, it's more an open and fair market, mm. I, would, I would suspect that, that you know, particularly when there are good yields to be made, potentially at certain, but, but you don't need you, you don't need to encourage people to invest where there is money to be made. People will do it anyway. It's, it's just there, and and they they will arbitrage away that opportunity to some extent. But at the end of the day, it will do, it will deliver what you want. Um, just don't centrally plan it. It doesn't work. I think that's absolutely true, mate. I think the the only thing I'd add to that. Where the, the other place markets break down, we've talked about a couple, uh, is when the externalities aren't priced in. Yes. And that's externalities is a fancy economics word for saying the side effects that don't have a direct dollar cost. So pollution is a fantastic example of an externality yep. where I can I can put a, you know, <laughs> remember the old incinerators? Every, every back yes. incinerator. It was one of those big Besser block things where you'd burn all your household rubbish. Um I can have an incinerator in the backyard. It cost me, you know, five bucks with the Besser blocks and a, and, a, and a, you know, lid. And I could burn everything I want. It cost me nothing. And it costs society nothing directly, 
But the externality, the the outcome that isn't measured in the transaction, is the amount of pollution produced and and you know degradation of air quality. Oh, that and that gets bigger when you go to uh, you know coal fired power stations and cars and other things, right? Oh, so, yeah. Just uh, imagine how much more profitable I would be. Oh, well, I am right. if I if I can just dump all my waste into the river and I don't have to pay for remediation or proper disposal. I mean, my profit's much 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 better. Is there a is there a cost somewhere? Yes. Mm. You know, I just don't. I don't bear it directly, Correct. so it's fine. So you're 100 percent right. So that externality is important, and I think where I would add that one, mate, is just, you know, the the market could work really, really well, and end up with a million people on the streets. Because mm-hmm. you know, yeah, there's, there's only five properties, and the, the five richest people get them, and it works perfectly. The price is set between the buyers and the sellers, and it's all good. And that market works because there's only five properties. If there's a million, million people, you know, uh, out of uh, um, out of home, homeless, you know, living on the streets, then then the market hasn't worked because for whatever reason, either it's caused the externalities or been caused by the externalities. There are too few houses to go around, for example, or too many people, or whatever combination of that. So I'm thinking here about uh, we. You know, I've talked about big Australia versus not big Australia in the past, but the immigration numbers are a non-market uh, driver, right? The planning rules on the other side. How many houses can you build? Where can you build them? How big can they be? How high can they be? How small can they be? Uh, if not direct externalities, they are external to the transaction that influence how well the market operates. And so there's all those things that I think, the other thing is, you know, the market will find its own level, but over a longer period of time, that is maybe useful from a societal perspective. So yeah. if the property market works its way out, finds its level over the next 23 years, then great, by 2055, we're all okay. <laughs> Except that in the meantime, we've caused X, Y, Z misery and you know whatever else on the way through. And so there's there's a there's a uh, speaking of the, uh, the invisible hand. There's a helping hand mm. role to be played by governments on the way through there too. That also makes some degree of sense. Hopefully, look if you want to fix it, right? I mean, I think our starting point in Australia is just so wrong. And the starting point is everyone has to own a home. That's the goal. Yeah. And you're a failure if you don't. And just like no, 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 no. It's not about owning. What you want is safe, affordable. Shelter. That's what I want. Yeah. Whether I have a document that says I own it or not, that, that, that is beyond the point. So if you want affordable, stable housing, you know what I would do? I would just, I would just tighten up the, the rules. Basically, just sort of say, well, you can charge whatever the hell you like, but you, have to, you can't turf someone out on a moment's notice because you've had a change of heart. You can't elect to not fulfill your end of the budget. Just basic things. I don't think they're yeah, I don't think right. they should be controversial. It should be controversial. It's not a controversial exactly. thing, right? Charge whatever yeah, you can get. Yeah, Look, I'm an investor. Yeah. I get it, right? I would if I was a landlord, I would going to get as much as I can out of my asset. Full mm-hmm. respect for that. I, you're doing the right thing. But I think at the moment you kind of the 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 rules make it such that I I I get an unfair economic advantage at the expense of people's lives in there. Tighten that up. And guess what would, you know what would happen? I mean, let's take an extreme example. So I come into power, uh, the whole country's going to hell in a handbasket if this ever happens. But but I come into power and I say- Either, either because or, or, yeah, as a result of, we're not sure which, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, exactly. Yeah. There's, yeah, mate, exactly. <laughs> so there's no cause evictions. You just can't evict mm-hmm. anyone. The only reason you can right. evict someone is if they damage your property or they don't pay your rent. Other than that, they can Fair. stay for as long as they like. And you can't increase in, uh, rent beyond some certain benchmark, whether that's inflation mm-hmm. or property, or something, something like that. Um, yeah, I would imagine, I mean, the, 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 there'd be a lot of landlords listening to that going, well, that would suck. Exactly, mm. right? And, and <laughs> no, 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 not exactly, and ha-ha, that's what I'm out to do. But yeah. no, it, it makes the proposition less attractive, which mm-hmm. means there's less demand for rental properties, which means there's, housing becomes more affordable for those that do want to get into it and those that don't have alternate scenarios. So you can, there's there's different ways to th- fix it. It's just very first order thinking. Just, oh, we'll just cap rents. Mm. And I'm like, no, let the market do it, but just yeah. set up an, a, 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 a better framework and the market will fix itself. And on the other side too, stop giving all these, this is what, this is my prediction of the future because as you say, we're kind of, we have, we have really hitched our wagon to property in Australia. So we just like, it's, it's the thing that no one can afford to collapse because it's become too big a problem but for the love of god stop mm. giving incentives away you know <laughs> we're trying to fix the problem and all you're doing mm. is making it more and more and more attractive for only one party to the equation and that yeah. so, so you, you I, I don't think anyone wherever you stand on the debate i think if you're someone who says it's wrong for governments to step in and set rents 
I think it's also wrong from the other end of, to to set incentives and schemes and that that, that distort it in the other direction. Hmm. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I yes, it's a longer conversation. We probably have enough time for this particular episode, but uh, uh, yeah, well, well regulated markets. I think we can both agree is a, is the right approach. So you set the rules, and then you let the market work. Doesn't you don't let the market work it out regardless of the rules and regardless of who gets hurt. You say, as a, as a as a healthy, caring society, we think it's important that these things are true or observed or looked after or done. Yep. Now, now you guys know all know the rules. Now go and knock yourselves out. And that's, that's when it starts to work. I think I've used this analogy before, but imagine the game of soccer, football if you're European, and you say the goal, well, the goal, <laughs> the aim, uh, but, but. the aim, I didn't mean that, <laughs> the aim is to get the ball in the net, the other end. Hmm. Uh, no rules. Now, the, the game of soccer, yeah, exactly. you now have people with AK-47s <laughs> and bazookas, yeah. <laughs> I mean, whatever it takes. But, right. but we've got rules. You can't use your hands. You can't punch people in the face. You can't, you know, all of these other kinds of things. And then we have this really wonderful, elegant game that, that plays amongst that mm. sort of rule mm. set that we agree is, is all sort of fair. It goes, you know what I mean? And the, like that's, yeah. there's a very good parallel there, I think, with sort of capitalism. Let capitalism, let markets do its things, but we just want a fair set of rules to which, which – clear and clarified for everyone not going to change every three years depending who's in power that's that's the best <laughs> thing that you can do and then yeah it kind of feels a bit laissez-faire but kind of things will figure themselves out that's that's what markets do very good mate with a <sighs> well-meaning liverpool kiss should we end this particular podcast yeah i think so of course first off to the finals for any of our uh listeners who don't know what that is liverpool kiss is a headbutt uh, so there you go. I'm not, I'm not offering Andrew any any additional affection that anyone else. Is oh, sorry, Stephen. I missed what you're saying. It's all okay. okay. <laughs> um, on that slightly uncomfortable note. Sorry, mate. I'm, I'm not a sporting. I'm not a sporting guy. You're gonna you're gonna miss me on those ones. <laughs> <laughs> My apologies. Full on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under Financial Services Licence 400691.